say anything. What is it to be saying? Force speech, rape speech. I have no subjectivity or light subjectivity. Speaking, defunct, landmass floats, and the forests have been felt, and the antlers snapped, morphed lips already sewn. Most of us are keen to mouth the word beast. Everyone is talking, talking, talking like dentures clack clack, but nothing is really said, or so much chatter static. I am not saying anything either. I'm waiting. And breathing, my body is speaking, expressing the thingness of the thing. It chats at me, motoring. In the taxi, a tree-shaped purple fragrance floats across face. To be a red scratch or red scotch, depending on your calculation of the sublime or the sublime itself. Memory fixed, and then splatter, my mother in, her pink kitchen, Washes what? The garden? And it's gray? Chemicals produced? Outside the gate. Ajar the dog. Run wilding. A thing. Called girl's play. Or wheat heart. We could draw a chalk line there. This is not conceptual. This is a poem. You are a poem. I am. The hesitancy. The undoingness. More secrets. Humiliation is release. The men all say I want to stretch you out, feel themselves big in this small corner of the world. How chivalrous, the ache of any obvious sliding down. What would the poem be without wings to block out the light? Don Lundy Martin, Nothingness. Tessa Thompson tells Jennifer Vineyard, Elle Magazine, 26th February, 2018. Quote, Alex told me, the film is a dream of the book. One thing the book solidified for me is the idea of not knowing what people are up to that the women are trying to figure out the mysterious happenings, the evolution or devolution of their terrain, but they're also trying to sniff out each other. Thompson's performance as the initially timid Josie is quietly affecting. You need a character to be worried about, and here it's Josie, she said. Everything affects Josie. It's all terrifying. Even getting up in the morning is a little scary for her. And then she endures the horror of the Shimmer's mutated inhabitants. An albino-alligator-shark hybrid tries to drag Josie into a pool of murky water. A bit of fun wire work for Thompson. A bear hybrid tries to gnaw at the group during another horrific moment. Some of those takes were actually Alex holding this crazy bear head in my face, Thompson said. It made it feel like we were really in it. End quote. She explains her approach to playing Radic to Leonardo Fireman, BlackGirlNerds.com, February 2018. Quote. Being an astrophysicist and trying to familiarize myself with that world and speaking with scientists, something that I thought about a lot was this. If you look at the natural phenomena around you, even the most mundane of things, like condensation on glass, for example, because you're a scientist and you understand it, does that add a certain majesty to life? Or does it take away magic? Does it mean because you understand more of your natural surroundings that it sets you apart a little bit from other people? I think it probably does, in a way but you can relate to other scientists because you share the same lexicon. I had this experience at Sundance when I was watching Octavia Spencer on a panel with a bunch of NASA scientists, and they were talking in shorthand. I'm sure a vast majority of the audience couldn't understand it, even if it was the simplest stuff. Octavia finally said, I'm sorry, does anyone know what she's talking about? And it just let the air out of the room because nobody knew what she was talking about except for a guy next to her, the other scientist. Except for that guy. 
And so I thought about, with erratic, what that means. To be privy to knowledge that in a way should be accessible to everyone because you look up at the stars, we all see the stars. But the way Radek sees the stars is so wildly different because she understands them. And that can be something that is so powerful for you, particularly if you're not that good at, like, the human of it all. But it can also be something that stands to separate you from other humans if you're not in an environment where that's integrated. So I thought a lot about that with Radek. And it makes sense to me that she's the one that would figure out what is happening in that environment. Because she's such a keen observer, and her shyness makes her thoughts get stuck in her throat at times. So she's processing and making a hypothesis really early on. But she doesn't have the bravado that a lot of scientists have, where they want to say what their hypothesis is, and really let people know. She's a little too uncertain, so she waits until she has really even footing. But I think that makes her such an incredible investigator because she's open and available to really taking things in. End quote. Radek stands among the topiary people, facing camera. The veins in her arm and her neck bulge, but there is more to it, clearly mostly in retrospect. Her skin is opening, she is changing, and maybe she is controlling the way she changes. Lena sits on the ground nearby, out of frame. Radek just said that Ventress wants to face the shimmer. Lena wants to fight it. Radek does not... Want either, either of those, of those things. things. Radek turns and walks away, between the two topiary people on the left. Second six angle on Lena from her left. Beat. Lena. Josie. Josie. Lena starts to get up. Second ten angle from behind Lena as she gets to her feet. Blurry in the distance, Radek still walks away. Second thirteen tracking shot, starting behind one of the topiary people, moving left, following Radek. Nitpick. The topiary person on the left now, with purple and white flowers, is clearly the same topiary person that Radek already passed. She should be farther away by now. Now, as she walks, we can see that her skin is opening, and plants are emerging. She moves slowly. Leah Schnellback writes on Tor.com, 26 February 2018, quote, After a life that led to enough depression or deadness that she sliced her arms up, either because she wanted to die or because the only way she could feel alive was to see her own blood, she found a third path a thing that was neither life in our reality nor death. She allows the Shimmer to transform her, submits to it in a way none of the others do, and the way it manifests is to sprout plants and flowers from the scars of her suicide attempts. Of all the beautiful, horrific imagery in this film, this was the moment that made me gasp aloud, because here the scars of a suicide aren't vilified, or covered in sleeves or tattoos, or the cause for shock on the part of the non-suicidal character. They are the soil growing a new kind of life, a path that opts out of the violence the others seem to see as inevitable. I'll note, as gently as I can, that the filmmakers chose to cast Tessa Thompson, a black woman, as Radek. There aren't too many black female physicists in the world, and statistically black women are the group that receives the least mental health support in the U.S. They are the most likely to take on extreme amounts of emotional and intellectual labor. Just look at who's leading most of the justice movements in this country, who has historically done the most groundwork and paperwork and thankless crap work for the feminist and civil rights movements, but at the same time, not to receive mental care. So if we take that into account, what we're seeing here is a shy, gentle black woman who chose a profession dominated by white men, who has tried to kill herself at least once, who finds a way out of the binary of life and death, and allows herself to transform into something entirely new. I'm still not sure how to feel about it. Obviously, there are lots of ways to commit suicide, but I don't think the film intends for us to read Raddick's fate as a self-destructive act. It's also frightfully easy to put a character on screen 
slap some scars on her arms, and assume that your audience will not only do the work to fill in her emotional life, but also call the filmmakers brave and unflinching while they do it. Plenty of movies do just that, using lazy imagery to show us depression or suicidal ideation without doing the emotional work to help us understand the character. If I'm right, Annihilation has found a way through that trope and subverted it in order to speak directly to those who might most need the emotional connection. And I think I'd love it, but I can also see why people might be violently opposed to it. End quote. Angelica Jade Bastien writes in Vulture, 2nd March 2018, quote, Let's talk about what it means to destroy yourself. In the relatively short time I've been alive, I have made an art out of self-destruction. I've placed myself in frightening situations just to feel something, anything but the crushing depression that often rewires my life. I've sought oblivion at the bottom of the bottle and in the arms of the rakish stranger. I've lost count of the suicide notes I've written, the attempts I've planned. If pressed, I'd say I learned the art of self-destruction from my mother. She would blow up her life, financially, professionally, romantically, in ways that meant my brother and I became collateral damage, forced to adapt amid the wreckage in order to survive. It's also a matter of misfiring brain chemistry that comes with having bipolar disorder type 2. It's becoming a way of being, a prism through which I've written the narrative of my life. Cinema has struggled to capture the texture and complexity of this experience, especially when it centers on women. Perhaps this is why Annihilation feels like such a revelation. End quote. Second 16, Angle and Lena coming toward camera. Rifle in one hand. Lena continued. Josie. Lena starts to pass camera to the left and we cut. Tracking right from behind the purple and white flowered topiary person, just enough to catch a glimpse of Radic's legs as she walks now to the right behind a large tree, out of sight. Moving faster when we cannot see her. A small opening amid the foliage, like a fairy pathway. Bastian, again, quote, These thematic and emotional concerns are not merely a matter of narrative decisions and character backgrounds. They are etched into the very fabric of the film, its sounds, its visual grammar, its texture. As they venture deeper into this alien terrain, this becomes more evident. The plants they encounter are strangely drained of color, as is the unnerving shark-alligator hybrid. Concrete walls are covered in vegetation that reads as cancerous growth, tumors awash in psychedelic color. From certain angles, trees scan as humanoid in shape. Depression is like this. It consumes everything in its path, warping it madly. The world is drained of vibrancy or easy understanding. The finest meal can taste like ash. Your body is no longer your own, but a weapon formed against you. End quote. Second 22, behind Lena again, already past the purple and white, which means she should have been in the previous shot, but whether it is the strange play of time within the shimmer, or manipulative, or lazy editing, she was not. Lena continued. Josie! Lena trumps through the overgrown grass after Radic. 
ducks under the tree. Second 26, camera moving through the pathway under the tree, like a POV shot, except a branch slips out of the way and we see Lena is just ahead of us still. She emerges out from under the tree ahead of us. There's a building ahead to the left, a clearing off to the right, a lone topiary person visible, orange flowers, hunched shoulders, head down. Camera emerges, and we see a couple abandoned cars at right edge of frame. Two telephone poles, overgrown, another house, and numerous topiary people, each in its own space. No radic. Second 33, angle from in front of Lena. She slows. Reverse again. Second 36, Lena approaches a tarp-covered mound on the ground. There are at least eight topiary people in the field ahead. The closest one, feminine in form, with dark pink flowers. Its head turned just slightly to look over its shoulder, back toward Lena, toward camera. Second 42, reverse, close on Lena. She takes in the scene before her, the implication of what these people are, and we cut, second 48, to Lomax. Hazmat suit, center frame, facing camera, lit from above and behind. His sleepy assistant remains against the wall to the right. Beat. Lomax. One by one, all gone. Except you. How do you explain that? Second 59, instead of a reverse, we cut to Lena from below, right. She has leaned forward, arms on one leg, head down, and time runs out for this minute. We spoke. What was it we said? Wordlessly watching, he waits by the window and wonders at the empty place inside.